Mark chapter 8, in verse number 22, this is a very famous story. It's a very famous story in the Bible, but I feel like the Lord has spoken something to me. I was in a great meeting Friday night in Frankfurt with the Jordans. I mentioned that this morning, and Brother Josh Herring was preaching, and the Lord was doing great things in the altar call, and as I was seated up in the front, I was in the altar, and the Holy Ghost was moving. The Lord spake a word to my heart that I wasn't sure how it was all going to come together, but I felt the Lord speak to me so clearly. I took my phone out and began to write. It was the closest thing that I had. And um, I want God to help us in this place tonight. I talked to Brother Herring today after he left Frankfurt, and uh, they had 11 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning we give God praise and rejoice amen we give God great praise for what he's doing amen Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22 and he cometh to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him they were begging Jesus to touch the blind man and he took the blind man this is not what they were expecting and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Or in other words, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. Everybody shout restored. And he saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. As I said the other night, listening to the voice of the Lord, this is what the Lord said to me. He said that the glory of his second touch was getting ready to rest on the apostolic movement. He said, the power of the second touch is coming. It's going to hit our movement. And he said, after the second touch, things will become much more clear than they were after the first touch. And I came home and began to seek the Lord about this, of exactly what this means and how the Lord is going to work. But I feel like telling somebody in this place tonight that God is about to clear some things up for the church because he's getting ready to rest on us with another touch. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight the glory of the second touch. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. I don't have time to go fully into all the depths that are in this story tonight. This is a story that I've preached many times over the last 25 years or so. It's a powerful story. It's certainly uh, a story that a lot of us can identify with, not necessarily in that we were blind physically uh, and now can see, but we do believe that God still opens blind eyes. We've seen God do it time after time. But all of us in this place that have been touched by the hand of the Lord can identify with the fact that we were blind and could not see how desperately we needed Him. But when He touched us, everything became clear. Now, the power of this is often presented in the miracle itself. That he was a blind man, Jesus touched him. He could not see clearly after the first touch, but the second touch, he touched him. And he could see, and we rejoice in 
the fact that a blind man now can see. And I agree with all of that. I thank God for touching our blind eyes and opening our eyes to see. But I want to deal with the difference in the dimensions of what was happening in the atmosphere. The scripture said that when they brought him to Jesus at Bethsaida that they were begging, they besought, they were literally begging Jesus to touch the man. And the Bible does not say that Jesus touched the man. The Bible said that Jesus took the man and walked him outside the city. And I'll tell you why. Because the atmosphere matters when Jesus starts touching people. When Jesus walked into the room where the little girl who was 12 years old had died, there was some doubt and confusion in the room. And the Bible said that he told all of the doubters and all of the grief to leave the room. He said, leave me alone with her and let me touch her. I'm telling you tonight that the atmosphere matters if you really want Jesus to touch you. Now the first touch came with a question. Jesus touched his eyes. And he asked him the question. He said, do you see aught? What do you see? But the second touch came with a command and direction. I believe that over the last uh, several months, the apostolic movement has been in a place where God has opened our eyes to see a few things and we have become wise to some of the devil's devices. We have seen some of the darkness, but it's still unclear to some of us. Some of us feel as though we're so spiritual that we know all the answers and we've seen everything we need to see. But I am telling you tonight that I'm crying out to God every day of my life. Open up my eyes and let me see the works of the kingdom of God. I want to know what you're doing. I want I want to be wise to the devil's devices. I want to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I want to know how the enemy's coming against the church. Why does it matter, Pastor? Because I'm tired of the church having to live in recovery mode from things that should have never been broken. God, give us the wisdom and the insight to know when the enemy is moving toward us. So we look at this oftentimes, and I, I know especially in, in, my, in my childhood when I would read this story, I was a little bit confused because I'm like, well, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. How is it that Jesus touches a man and he's not completely healed? Like, why did Jesus have to touch him twice? But the more you look into this story, the more you find out that really the first touch was not a vision test. The first touch was a hearing test. Jesus knew that the man could not see clearly when he asked him, do you see anything? But Jesus wanted to know, how do you respond to my voice when you cannot see the way that you wanted to see? Can you still respond to my voice when things are not as clear as you had hoped they would be? When the miracle has not come and you thought it should have already been here, can you still respond to my voice? When you asked me for relief, but relief did not come. When you asked me for healing, but healing did not come will you still respond to my voice 
Do you still respond to the voice of God when you've come to the end of your resources and you know that if God doesn't step in, it's not going to happen. And I know what it feels like to wait and wait and wait and wait until you feel like you're running out of time and there are no answers. But let me remind you tonight that he is still an on-time God. He has never been late. I'm talking to somebody that feels like you're looking down the loaded barrel of a double barrel shotgun tonight and your back is against the wall. He has never been late, ever. Never been late. Never been late. He has never been late. Can I preach that to you tonight? I'm going to say it till you get it. He's never been late. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. He may not come when you want him. But he'll be there. Right on time. I believe he's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. How, how, how? How do you respond to my voice? When it should have been all clear by now. But it's still blurry and nothing makes sense. Are you still hearing my voice? And how do you respond to it? It becomes very apparent to me in this chapter that this man was not born blind. That this man was more than likely born seeing. And at some point in his life he lost his vision. Now there was another man that was born blind. But this man specifically in verse 25 it said that his vision was restored. That word is apocathistami. His vision was restored and it literally means to restore to its original state. And this is what I know and I feel the Lord in this. That as this man begins to see. Now I've, I've preached several different versions of this from direction even medically about this man seeing trees. I've preached before about how science deals with someone who's just received their vision. But I believe that this man is speaking from experience when the Lord says to him, what do you see? And he says, I see men as trees. It becomes apparent to me that perhaps this man had seen a tree before to be able to comparatively speak that I see something that looks like a tree. It's something that I've seen before. He is comparing, listen, what God is doing in his presence with what he's seen in the past I've seen a tree before Lord what are you doing right now because it looks like a tree listen flesh cannot see the future it can only look into the past flesh is always looking backwards of where we've been while the miracle is taking place in the present flesh is always trying to connect what God is doing right now with what God has done in the past but I feel like telling the church of the living God tonight that is not a tree you have never been here before it's a place that we've never been before what you're seeing right now is not what you've seen before I believe God is bringing us to a place 
and, 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 and I, feel, I feel this deeply tonight. I, I, I believe if I have to preface this in this church at all, then you don't know my heart. But if you're a part of this church, you understand I believe in the old paths. I believe in staying connected to the old things, to the roots. And I'm not just talking about 1950 traditions. I'm talking about old paths. I believe in staying connected to it. I believe that we ought to stay connected. But understand me when I say what I'm about to say to you. I don't believe God wants to show us the power of his former glory ever again. I don't believe God ever wants to take us back to the way that he used to move. I don't believe God wants to take us back to experiences we've had before. I believe that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former house. Let me tell you the power of the end time. He said he's going to take the former rain and the latter rain and he's going to bring it together. I'm not looking for an old move of God. I'm not looking for old revival. I don't want to see men's trees. I want heal. I'm just going to be honest because I have the microphone tonight. I get sick and tired of hearing people all the time say, man, it ain't like it used to be. Thank God! Ain't like it used to be. Neither are you. (laughs) You don't believe me? Get you a 14-year-old kid out here, get him out in the parking lot and say, let's run. Want to race? Man, I've heard it all. It's part of the glory of being in this all my life. I've heard people say to me, you know what? If the music was different, we'd have a move of God. It's not true. It's not true at all. I, 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 just, I, just, think that, I just think that if we had a couple different things here like, like we used to. I'm going to tell you the, the thing that we're missing. I'm going to tell you what we're missing. We're missing old-fashioned prayer, fasting. Relationship, covenant giving, not guilt giving. We're missing living in the covenant because we are so satisfied to be entertained. Why would we want covenant when we can be entertained and still be exhilarated? I know (laughs) the other day, Brother Mundy was here and we were talking with a family from the church in Ohio where he's working right now. and We were talking about the glory days. Uh, it's more glory in our minds than it is anybody else's. <laughs> but we were talking about the glory days when, when I was the youth president in Indiana. And, uh, man, we were fighting some crazy battles then. You know, we really stepped out there on the cutting edge. And we, like, got us a fog machine. I mean, dear God, you thought the mark of the beast had entered the church. And, man, I I mean, I remember, I remember the first convention that I charged $5 registration for for people to come to youth convention in Indianapolis, five bucks. And I had a preacher call me everything but a good man. He walked right past the security or whatever you want to call him at the door. 
church was about to start. I'm standing at the platform, got the microphone in my hand, and this preacher comes walking up. He had no pink in his lips. His face was white. The blood was gone. He was mad, and his lip was trembling. I'm like, either this dude is about to get a Holy Ghost dose, or I'm fixing to get cussed out, one or the other. He walked up to me, and he said, you mean to tell me I've got to pay five bucks to come to church? Like, oh, God, we'd have revival if we'd just take up an offer and let you put a dollar in. If we'd get back to the way it was, we'd have revival. If we get back to the way the word of the Lord tells us to seek him while he may be found, we'd have revival. I'm telling you right now that when people are hungry... It doesn't matter if you've got a six-string guitar with only five strings left and four of them are out of tune. It doesn't matter if you've got padded pews or you're sitting on two-by-four shoved through concrete blocks. Where people get hungry, there is a spirit and an atmosphere of revival. I've seen him fall in tent meetings. I've seen him fall in convention halls. I've seen him fall in beautiful, majestic edifice. I've seen him fall. But there is always a common thread. If you're hungry, you'll get fed. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but there was a woman in this church one time. What'd you laugh for? I wasn't going to tell him it was you. In the old building, my dad was preaching. She used to tell him all the time as he was pastor then. She'd say, Pastor, feed me, feed me, feed me. Yo, feed me, feed me the word, feed, feed me the word. She showed up, sat from the platform. She was on the left side. She was on the right side on the front row. She came in with a great big bib on and a big wooden spoon and a big wooden fork. She sat right down on the front row and when dad took the pulpit, she said, feed me, pastor. Hey, I'm telling you tonight, I'm not saying this to be ugly, but if you come to the house of God and you leave hungry, it's because you didn't pull yourself up to the table. There is plenty to eat at the table tonight, but you've got to be hungry. I I got really sad the other day. I was telling somebody, I was like, look, I've tried, but I don't think I'm going to get to be any better of a preacher than I am right now. I've been doing this a long time. It's not going to get any better, so don't wait on the preaching to get better. (laughs) But as hard as we've tried, and as much as we've polished and we have tried to make it so beautiful, oh, Lord. Some of the preaching that I hear these days. I, I told Brother Herring the other night when he got done preaching. I said, bro, I don't know if you make me want to preach or you make me want to quit. He said, bro, you're crazy. <laughs> Listen to me. I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to make fun at all. Please don't misunderstand me. But I was raised on stories yes. of men that couldn't even read their own Bibles. They knew the scripture, but they didn't know how to read it. And they would have to get somebody in the church say, Hey, Brother Billy, get over there in the book of Acts. The second chapter. Well, if they didn't know it, then how'd they preach it all? They preach what worked. They preach what people needed. I was raised, I was raised in the atmosphere where you had to have two microphones close the whole time the preacher was preaching. And you never knew when you were going to be the reader. 
Because we'd get them old-fashioned evangelists that call out the young people. They loved it, and especially if you fixed your hair real nice. They like to mess up your hair. They'd say, come on up here, Brother Stephen, and read for me. And then they'd spit out 49 scriptures and expect you to remember all of them. And then when you didn't have them, they'd turn around and look at you and go, do you have it? Which one? We read. My point to you is simply this. It's not about how polished it is. As to whether or not you're having a breakthrough. Because I've preached meetings where it was so hot in the tent that I was preaching in it made you want to live right. It wasn't hard to preach on hell in those tents outside in the middle of the summer. Because everybody felt like they were standing at the front door. You preach on a little bit. I could tell you a story about a camp meeting I was preaching in Georgia. My wife's real familiar with that story because she, she stood me up when I came home. But I'd preach this camp meeting in Georgia and I had the day services. It was 110 degrees outside. And we were in an old stone gothic chapel on a, 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 a university campus. And they had all the doors open and it didn't matter. Because it was 110 degrees outside and the wind wasn't blowing. And I got to preaching that day and, and it was so bad that you could hear it when we'd walk. I mean, people getting the Holy Ghost. People wanting to get baptized in Jesus' name. Well, if the air condition would work, people might get saved. Woo! We need to toughen up a little bit. <laughs> we need to toughen up a little bit. We're, we're going to have to figure something out. See, I, I'm not too far away from remembering it all. When we were so packed in the old building, it gets so hot in there, you felt like Satan moved in next door. Brother McLean, we'd have to open up all the windows. We'd open up the windows and we'd have church. And I'll tell you the rest of that story. We didn't care what it sounded like, what it looked like, how loud it got, or who drove by. I'm, af I'm afraid sometimes that we worry about the wrong things. We're wanting to know, is man pleased with what we're doing? I want to know, is God pleased with what we're doing? Is he pleased? Is God pleased with what we're doing? But here's the thing I want you to recognize. With that first touch. When the Lord touched his eyes. He said, I see men as trees walking. And this is something that maybe I'm not real smart. But something I've noticed. Is that most of the time. Trees are larger than men. Unless it's you. <laughs> Old tree stump. How tall are you? Six five. Whew. And ugly. <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. Six five. Most trees are bigger than men. Listen to me now. I'm not, I'm not trying to read into something too deep here. But I want to tell you. Oftentimes... When God is trying to touch us and show us things, we begin to magnify men. He said, I see men as trees. 
and men become magnified in the move. Men are not as big as trees, but he said, I see men as trees walking. And men can become magnified in the move if we're not careful. We've got to be careful that what God is doing is so powerful that only he can get the glory for what's happening. Listen to me. There is no men that are going to be glorified with what God is going to do in the glory of the second touch. The Lord said, I touched you one time and you're still magnifying men. I want to be sure that we've got this right. By the time you see clearly, only God will receive the glory for the things that are done somebody shout yes so there was alignment that was happening in the first touch and I really do wish I had time to break all this down what I've been feeling in the spirit but some folks were sorely disappointed and I've talked a little bit about this over the last few months because I, I recall us having prayer meetings and Things while we were separated from one another, meeting in this building, and we all had this idea that as soon as the doors came open, that there'd be people standing in line, and that the walls would just like couldn't contain us. And we, we had that conversation a lot. Surely to God, if this doesn't wake up backsliders, then nothing will wake up backsliders. And you know, we we came back to church and thank God. I thank God. Thank God. Thank God a million times. For you precious people. I had a man ask me the other night. He said, bro, you, have, have your people started coming back yet? I was like, no, no, no. I, I want you to feel better, my friend. I thank God that in a difficult time, we were growing. I said we were growing. I thank God for that. But still, we were looking at this situation saying, where is everybody that we thought was coming? Like, why aren't all the backsliders waking up? And thank God for all of them that did. But I'm just being honest with you. I had something more majestic in mind. I did. Lord have mercy. We've been separated for 50 days. This first Sunday is going to be crazy. And the only thing that was crazy was you people. <laughs> Lord God, the first Sunday we met in the parking lot, y'all sat with your windows rolled up. It, I'm not lying. Everybody's like they're afraid to look the car next door to them like COVID's going to jump through their eyeballs. <laughs> we, <laughs> people, people came by. I'm, me and my family standing there bawling and squalling like a bunch of ding-dongs. I'm crying, oh, God, I, People rolled down their window that much and stick a $5 bill out the window. If you did that, I'm not making fun of you. It's true. We had this little basket and you guys drove by and stuff. Be like. I was like, come back next week. The next Sunday, you knuckleheads figured something out. Because when we got here on that Sunday in the parking lot, there were backsliders that had driven up from southern Indiana. 
that we had connected with back in those glory days. I was talking about way, way back when I was youth president. They had driven all the way up here. They said, Brother St. Clair, we couldn't find any place having church today. We drove all the way up here, and here we are standing out in the parking lot. And people got out of their cars. And I watched you folks. The devil wanted you to be scared. But I watched you one by one. Start opening up them doors. Started coming out. And I remember, stand, I remember standing there looking as the little grass area out here. There was people laying in the grass. I'm like, oh, God, they're going to get mud on their clothes. There's people laid out there praying people through the Holy Ghost. Praying people back through that. I looked at our staff and my family and I said, we're going to be in the sanctuary next week. And we never looked back. We opened up the doors and, hey, I'm telling you, God revealed some things in the first touch. He revealed some things in the first touch, but they were still unclear. I remember, and, and uh, I, gosh, help me tonight, Lord. I, I, I heard from the Lord. The first weekend that it started, and it was five weeks before I heard anything from God. It wasn't just, I wasn't just not seeing y'all. Like I didn't hear the voice of God for five weeks. And I could take you to the spot in my office where I was standing when he spoke to me, and it was right before that second service. Uh, outdoors, the second service outdoors. The Lord spoke to me, and he talked to me a little bit about the time of the year and the calendar and all those things. It was a powerful moment. But I came in expecting week after week. For things to become more and more clear. And I started getting frustrated with the Lord when I'd say, God, I know you touched us. I know you kept your hand on us. I know your touch has been on this church. But things are still so unclear to me right now. I just, I, I, I don't get it. There's some things that I don't have answers to. And if I could just reveal my flesh to you a little bit tonight, I want to tell you that I, I, I really went into this whole thing thinking we're, we're good because uh, no, nobody here is going to get it. We live in Goshen. There's some broken-hearted people in here tonight that know that the first touch still leaves some things unclear. And while you've been faithful to God, you're still rocking and reeling from the hits that you've taken. And your heart is still broken because you felt like God was going to give you an answer. But you didn't get the answer you were expecting. And when God lifted his hand off of you. What you thought would be clarity. It, all, all you were seeing was ministry. But hear me tonight. Let me preach to you. Is this alright? No this is different. I'm digging. I've heard from the Lord. I'm digging in tonight because I need to help somebody. We've got to stop celebrating tree visions. As a church, God does not want FPC celebrating that it's a little better than it was. I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate every victory. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying to you tonight, church family, is that God is not finished with us. I have not come to a place right now where I'm willing to just celebrate and say, Okay, God, if that's as good as it's going to get, then I'll receive that. Because what I said in the altar on Friday night, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm about to send the glory of the second touch and things that have not been clear are going to become clear to you, son.
Can I just sing it to you? Like the old song said it, we will understand it better by and by. Now, let, let, let me hurry. Things are unexpected. And the way that God moves sometimes. This man is blind, and I mentioned it briefly, but I held it to this point because I want to talk to you about some things. These were some of the things that were revealed to me in the first touch now that I'm seeing this. But when they brought the man to Jesus begging for him to touch him, the Bible said that Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the city. Like, how does this help anybody? How, like, how does this heal? Because the joker's still blind and he's walking with Jesus outside the city. And all of a sudden it made sense to me. Come here, Eli. Jesus took him by the hand. And when Jesus takes you by the hand, he's doing the leading. Jesus had to get this man away from the people. That had brought him to Jesus. Because if you're going to feel the glory of the second touch. You've got to learn to have a walk with him by yourself. You cannot expect the people that have brought you to where you are right now. To lead you to the glory of the second touch. You've got to learn how to walk with Jesus. When there's nobody around. And there's nobody to encourage you. And there's nobody to lift you up. I don't like being by myself, but there are some places that you can only go with just you and God. You've got to learn to walk with God. When you feel alone, you feel his touch. I didn't, I didn't come here for you to lead me. I came here for you to heal me. You don't understand. You don't understand what I'm telling you. Sometimes for him to heal you, you've got to trust him and walk where you still can't see. I, 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 I thought this was going to be resolved by now. Where, where are you taking me? I'm taking you out of familiarity. I'm taking you away from the voices that you're used to hearing. I'm taking you away from the things that you have leaned on. Every day, I got a feeling. I just got a feeling that those people that brought him to Jesus were the ones that led him every day to the gates of the city and would set him down. It was a familiar voice. It was a familiar place. It was a place that he could walk and he could depend on them to take me. But understand when I tell you today that God is about to take his church to a place that we, we're going to end up together but we've got to learn to go on our own I'm telling you hear me tonight God has tried to teach us the power of personal relationship I love prayer meeting I love it I love being with you sweet people I love being in here on Sunday night with you sweet people but I had never preached to an empty room before and I was like, this is weird. I don't like it. But I learned something about that first touch. You got to learn to stand on your own if you're going to be strong enough to stand together. Brothers and sisters, 
I'm telling you that God, and I thank God, it revealed to me the strength of you precious people. Because there's still churches tonight that are suffering. Trying to figure out how we're going to get back to the way it... The way it was. And God's saying, you're still missing. The, fir the first touch is to reveal it's never going to be like it was. As they came to Jericho, the Bible said, yeah, I, I get it. There, was a, there, was, there, there were walls. There was a city. All this had to transpire. But there's tucked away a little treasure in that same narrative right there. As they come across and their feet cross the Jordan River. And they stand on that side of the Jordan River. They have yet to take the city. Listen to me. They have yet to take the first city of Jericho. Yet. They had not taken it yet. And the Bible said from that day, manna ceased. crossed over and that next morning somebody said it feels different when I open the tent door today and the Lord said because when you walk into new dimensions I'm not going to feed you the same thing that I fed you in the wilderness I promised you vineyards that you did not plant and houses that you did not build. But let me preach to you right now. As long as we're still sucking down manna. We're always going to stay where we've always been. But the Lord is saying if there's going to be a crossover moment for you. I'm going to have to take manna off the menu. I'm going to have to get you out of the familiar. I'm going to have to get you out of the things that you have counted on till this point. Listen. He's going to take us from being wilderness dwellers and manna inhalers. He's going to take us to a place where we're conquering cities. And if you're going to take Jericho, he's got to take manna. It's a whole new area. God, take me back, take me back, take me back. No, 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 no. If I'm going to take you back, I'd take you back to Egypt. You've heard me say it, but there's a powerful principle in here. As soon as they cross over the Red Sea, they come to bitter waters and they're like, well, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. Listen, it's amazing that three days before that, they didn't believe God could part the Red Sea. But after he parted the Red Sea, they believed God could part the Red Sea again for them to go back more than they believed that he could turn bitter water into sweet water. Because we're always apt to believe that God can do for us again what he did before. But God is bringing us into a new season where it's not going to taste like it tasted yesterday. And we're not going to experience what we experienced yesterday. God is moving us to a new dimension. And I believe it's the glory of the second touch. He said to the man, he said, I, I'm going to touch you. And things are going to look different. He said, but you are not allowed to go back into that city and tell them what I've done. Because you're about to walk in a new dimension that you've never walked in before. I feel that God has spoken to my heart in the last few days. To speak some things into this church. And, and I'm going to continue to speak these 
into your life. But the Lord took me back to the dream that I had a few months ago that I shared with you about the woman. And I'm not going into it tonight, but the woman that I had in the dream that was broken. And it was, it was a terrible situation that I thought was terrible. And the Lord was turning around for good. But the Lord began to reveal some things to me. And I'm going to prophesy over this church tonight because I believe in you. I'm going to speak life into this church tonight. And I'm going to tell you that God is getting ready to bring us to a dimension of the second touch. Where things are going to be more clear than they've ever been for this church family. But once we cross into that place, we can never go back to the way it used to be. There is another dimension that God has been trying to move some of you into. And you've been wrestling with God. You've been, you've been celebrating that first time. You've been, it's been a God unrest. Let me just speak it to you. It's been a, a God unrest. Been, I, don't, I don't know. I just I don't know how to put my finger on it. But it's like I, I'm, just not, I'm, I'm just not even at home. I'm not, I'm not even comfortable. I don't even know what to do. And you feel like a stranger in your own skin. God is about to bring you to a place of discomfort. Where he can move you out. Of the dimension of the first touch. And bring you into the glory of the second touch. Is there anybody in here just for, for my sake tonight. That's been asking God to show you things more clearly than you've ever seen them before. It's kind of what I thought. You've been praying and asking God. To reveal things like you have never known before. Another dimension. And then when you pray that you feel the enemy say. He ain't going to show you. Anybody heard it? Come on, let's see them hands again. You've heard that? See? Why are you doing this, Pastor? So that you know you're not the only one he's lying to. Take me to another place, God. Take me to a deeper dimension. Show me more power. And then you hear that voice. Well, if he's going to show it to anybody, it ain't going to be you. So I'm here to tell you tonight. He wants to show you. And he wants to move you into a dimension of faith like you have never known. But you're going to have to walk out of the familiar into a place that's probably uncomfortable for you. And there's going to be dimensions. But understand me when I tell you tonight, and I've got to finish. But when they crossed over that river and he took man off the menu, do you know that the very first interaction they had when they crossed over is they looked up and there was an angel of the Lord standing against the wall. When they crossed over... They moved into a dimension of the supernatural where heaven had invaded earth. And the Lord made that place holy ground. And God moved them into dimensions of battle where they never had to yield a sword. And the walls came tumbling down by obedience and praise. What do you think God is going to do with the end time church that has learned to obey his voice when we did not understand and we've learned the power of praise even when we had to praise all by ourselves I tell you what he's going to do we're going to see walls fall down we're going to see cities cave in we're going to see the glory of God like we have never seen it before and I declare it tonight that I'm going to see it in my city and I'm going to see it in my county and I'm going to see it in my state and I'm I thank God for what he's doing in Roatan, Honduras. But wait till you see what God is going to do right here. Let's stand together. I thought 
that we had had our answers from God. But it's become more and more apparent to me that there is another touch that's coming to the body of Christ. And I believe with all my heart that the glory of the second touch is going to be the most powerful apostolic demonstration that our movement has ever seen. I believe that God's getting people sick and tired of politics. They're getting sick and tired of organizational boundaries. They're getting sick and tired of fussing with people across town. Hey, you listen to pastor when I tell you this. When our neighboring churches have revival, we're having revival. If Brother Bailey baptizes 25 on a weekend, I'm rejoicing because that's 25 souls that are added. If Brother Carson's having revival in Indianapolis, I'm going to rejoice. Every time I see it, I'm going to rejoice. If Brother Hodges is having revival in Pendleton, I'm going to rejoice. If Brother Martin's having revival in Muncie, I'm going to rejoice. I'm rejoicing because it's about the kingdom. We celebrate that the kingdom of God is advancing. But there are people that are getting sick and tired of territorial junk that just want revival. And they want to see us have a move of God. Let me tell you, I can't win this city by myself. If we could win this city by ourselves, we've had since 1929 to get it done. We're going to reach. and We're going to celebrate. But God is going to help us. Listen, I want us all across this room right now to raise our hands to heaven and say, God... I want to be a part of the second touch. God, as you're revealing the glory of the second touch, I'll be one of the ones that wants to see more clearly. I want to see your plan unfold. God, if there's another dimension, I'm willing to leave the comfort level that I've been in to embrace the uncomfortable in a dimension of unfamiliarity. I see it tonight so clearly in the Holy Ghost that God is rooting up some people from a place of comfort where you've learned to exist with familiar voices. And he's moving you to a place that's not so familiar yet it's going to produce such power in your life. And I'm saying to you tonight, don't fight God. glory of the second touch Lord when you're ready to place your hands on this church again the glory of the second touch is revealed I pray that you would search the hearts and the lives and the minds of those that have gathered in this place tonight you would find some people who are ready to receive clarity in our vision clarity God in our mission like we have never seen before let the power of your spirit become more real than it's ever been manifest God somebody needs to take a step of faith right now as an act of obedience to the Lord, you just need to take, take a step of faith out 
of your familiarity right now and take a step toward the will of God say Lord it may not be clear to me right now but I felt your touch and I'm stepping out by faith towards the voice of God for the glory of the second touch yes that's it <laughs> yes thank you for obeying the Holy Ghost come on let's just go right now by ourselves don't worry about the voices that are around you or what they're doing if you're going to be a part of this second touch tonight I just want you to begin to submit God anything that would keep me from moving that way anything in my soul that's contrary to your will and your plan for me reveal it to me tonight God Lord I, I don't want to be guilty of standing here counting of how much it's going to cost me to do this and I just want to give myself to you and say, touch me one more time. Let me see. Uh.